Hello and welcome to Heilman and Haver, the stage and screen podcast coming to you from Casa de Quinn and 1111 Studios in beautiful Port Orchard, Washington. I'm Matt Haver. And I'm Greg Heilman. We're two local actors looking to hone our craft by exploring the best of local theater and on the big screen. Each week we bring you entertainment news and views, celebrate classic Hollywood, enjoy cocktails with a Tinseltown twist, interview talented local actors and directors, and chat with industry experts from LA to the UK. Today is Friday, September 24th, and welcome to episode 45. We'll be joined in a few moments by Dr. Broadway himself, Dr. Jason Kint of the Actors Fund. The lights are bright on Broadway again, and we'll get the skinny on the latest shows and all the gossip from the Actors Fund annual gala right after a few announcements. This special announcement brought to you by Tequila. This week on In the Mix, we're celebrating our one-year anniversary with Palomas. Thanks to the Seattle Film Festival After Party for introducing us to these smooth tequila tiki drinks. Mix one up and then join us on YouTube for a look back at our past year of stage and screen exploration and interviews. Lots of interviews over the past year and recently some excellent reviews coming from my friend Mr. Heilman here. Make sure to check out his latest on our Facebook page. We took in Pirates of Penzance last weekend at Western Washington Center for the Arts and were thoroughly impressed as usual and entertained. Gray's review perfectly captures the energy of the show and expertise of the cast, or should I say, crew. That's a show you don't want to miss, so get your tickets now at wwca.us. And this weekend is also your last chance to check out Side by Side by Sondheim at Bremerton Community Theater. This musical review of Stephen Sondheim's early career closes Sunday, September 26th, so get your tickets now at bctshows.com. And make sure to check out our interview with director Rada Tan and musical director Gwen Adams, available now on our YouTube channel. Buy tickets to Sondheim for Sunday because you're going to want to be at the Historic Roxy Theater tomorrow, Saturday, September 25th. It's time for another installment of Movies of the Decade, and what a movie it is this week. 1994's genre-defining Tarantino creation, Pulp Fiction, starring literally every badass from the early 90s, and also the winner of the Oscar for Best Screenplay. We hit the stage at 6.30 p.m., followed by another insightful introduction by our friend Jeremy Arnold from Turner Classic Movies. That's right, boys and girls, Pulp Fiction now qualifies as a classic. And speaking of classics, Seattle's Fifth Avenue Theater celebrated its grand opening 95 years ago today, and has since become, in the words of actress Helen Hayes, a national treasure. The Fifth Avenue is the subject of our next episode of Get to Know a Theater, and we'll be joined at the Fifth by producing artistic director Bill Barry and managing director Bernadine Griffin. That's Thursday, September 30th from the Fifth Avenue Theater. And in the spotlight tonight is a fellow theater lover and past guest, a New York physician, Broadway aficionado, and cultured, sophisticated man about town, Dr. Jason Kintz. Although Jason had a passion for theater and participated in many high school productions, he quickly realized that his enthusiasm for musical theater does not make up for his lack of pitch. So naturally, he went to medical school. Jason graduated from Ursinus College in 1995 and Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine in 1999. Jason is board certified in family medicine and worked for the Reading Health System in Hamburg, PA, where he was voted best family practice five years in a row until 2013. After that, he had to be closer to Broadway, so he moved to New York City and worked in urgent care in Manhattan, leaving him plenty of opportunity to catch all the shows in town. Jason is a theater person at heart and is very excited to work with his community. He is a loving and caring family physician who is dedicated to helping his patients thrive in every aspect of their lives, and he joins us from his office in Times Square. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Hey, thank you. Welcome. It's Dr. Broadway back with us again. That's right. It's awesome to be here. And literally speaking to us from your your office. Yes, it's a late night, so I didn't get home. 
So it sounds like you had a pretty exciting evening last night. You're part of the Actors Fund, and fund, and uh, last night was their annual gala. Tell us, tell us about the party. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So uh, what they're doing is they they uh, they had a small New York uh, meeting gala last night. They're going to do a part two in L.A. and honor some people out there. And then they're going to put them together. And the gala is going to be on November 1st via Zoom. Um, so there were only a few people, you know, in the room. But it made it very special and intimate. They honored Seth Rodetsky and James Wesley um, for their work on Stars in the House. And uh, I was a guest of, of them. And then um, they also honored uh, Stacy Midnick, who's a producer, produced a lot of Broadway musicals, including uh, Dear Evan Hansen. And then they had performances, Santino Fontana and Jose Lama and Kelly O'Hara, Jason Robert Brown, uh, Zachary Noah Pizer, who is uh, one of the Dear Evan Hansons, sang. Um, Andrew Martin was there, Brian Stokes Mitchell was there. I sat with Christine Petty, which was pretty awesome. Wow. Um, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. But there were only probably 40 people in the room. I thanked the head of the actors fund, Joe Benicast, and I said, thanks for putting on a little concert for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was front and center. I was like two feet away from the microphone. So it was pretty awesome. That is cool. Well, we were were actually bragging about the actors fund. Uh, We were down uh, over the Seattle Film Summit, and they had a representative there from SAG, from Screen Actors Guild. And we we were asking them about, hey, you know, this is what the actors fund does. And and they explained to me that they have a, a kind of an an arm of their organization that does the same thing, uh, which which is kind of cool on the film side. Yes, yes. You know, so much has been asked of them this year. You know, the the CEO said he's never worked so hard in his life. You know, there's never been such a need. It's it's always a fragile industry, and people are vulnerable in the business. There's really no safety net other than the actors' fund. But this year, everybody was in need. You know, industry was shut down for 18 months. Um, so in an average year, they give out, you know, one to two million dollars in emergency financial assistance. I think they're up to, you know, 24, 25 million um, that's been asked of them. Wow. And there's there's you know, they could do so much more. There's you know, people need help paying rent and paying their medical bills and paying, you know, for their essential uh, food and electricity because it's hard to get work and the secondary jobs were also gone. So we at the Friedman Health Center for the Performing Arts are funded by the Actors Fund with donations from Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. Um, And we've at least been able to provide medical care for people who became uninsured. We also started taking Medicaid plans. Most of the people in the business lost their health insurance because they hadn't worked, but they went to Medicaid plans so we started taking them so their health care was not interrupted so so we're adjusting to the times um as the actors fund has for the last 140 years that's why it's been around so long last time we talked to you i think was january and not just were uh you know where the theaters shut down but all the surrounding businesses were shut down it was uh, because it ripples it ripples right through the community so how is so things are starting to open up a little bit yep You've been to at least one show that I know of, other than the gala. It's got to be exciting for you to kind of get back into things. And um, just tell us about going back the, the first night you went back and what you've got planned for other shows that you're going to be seeing here in the near future. It's super amazing. I got to go to the actors. I was given tickets to opening night of Wicked. Um, so I was there opening night when Kristen Chenoweth came out and opened the show. 
unexpectedly. Um, I sat behind Ben Platt and his family and his father, Mark, who I think is one of the producers. Stephen Schwartz was there. And the audience, I've never, I've never been a part of an audience with so much excitement, the uh, standing ovation. Every character got a standing ovation. The green baby got a standing ovation, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and at the end, it just, uh, for the first time ever, you know, they closed the curtain and then opened it up again because 15 minutes, nobody was sitting down, nobody was stopping. Um, so they came out and did a second bow, which I don't think it has been done before. I have a friend I went to high school with who's the wig supervisor, and she said, you know, she never saw anything like that, you know, and they've never done that before. Um, so it's been emotional. You know, they're sad, they're happy, they're excited, they're scared. You know, I think almost every production has had a positive COVID person, you know, since they've been back in rehearsals. Um, they have strict equity protocol. They're testing a lot. You know, I think every show's testing once a week. Um, but if they have kids in the show, like Lion King is testing daily. Wow. And people are being isolated if they have any symptoms. Most actors are taught the show must go on. And we have to teach them that if you feel the slightest little something, you have to stay home because you can spread it to your whole cast. I think wearing cat masks really work. And people in the show can't wear masks. <laughs> you know, they're, uh, you know, they're putting respiratory droplets on each other all the time. Mm -hmm. as a part of the job so what you do after work really matters you know there's obviously a, a pass for folks on stage as far as masking goes what type of safety measures are in place in the theaters i know a lot of uh, even the smaller theaters out here um, have banded together and said we need to see the vaccination cards is it similar yep. on on broadway uh, everybody yep Everybody in the involved in the show, ushers, backstage, wig, everybody has to be vaccinated and masked. Everybody backstage is vaccinated and masked. Everybody in the audience has to be vaccinated and masked. They weren't sure whether or not they were going to make that policy. I was talking to the head of uh, the Broadway League, uh, Charlotte St. Martin, and she said when they decided to make the audience vaccinated and masked, ticket sales rose that day uh, significantly. So I think people felt more comfortable knowing they were coming to a place where the people next to them were going to be, you know, masked and vaccinated. So um, they were worried that it would abandon some of the audience, but it was just the opposite. People felt more secure coming to the theater. So we're hoping that keeps ticket sales going. Honestly, I've seen the arts community react probably the most positively of any other kind of, you know, subgroup uh, when it comes to the vaccinations, because like you said, as an audience member, you want to get back in there. Well, doubly so for someone who's on stage. We haven't performed for 18 months. Let's get right. back out there. So we're willing to do, you know, whatever it takes. Yes. And obviously, uh, like you said, the masking uh, is working. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 and people who are vaccinated, who have gotten sick with the shows are not that sick. You know, they're, you know, they have cold symptoms. Nobody's been hospitalized yet you know that i know of and hopefully nobody will be because of the vaccine policy so i also got to see a couple shows off broadway um i saw the first original new musical that opened which is the musical the commercial jingle for regina comet um which is a, a new original musical that just i think it's in previews right now off broadway i have a patient who wrote it during COVID and is starring in it Awesome. So I went to support him. I thought it was awesome. And it's so nice to see these things that 
you know, were created during COVID, something positive that came out of quarantine. I'm really looking forward for new stuff to be produced that speaks to the times. It's nice to see Wicked back and that's nurturing, but to actually have stories told that, you know, are a product of COVID, I even think is more emotional, you know. I was just going to say, that's something Matt and I have been talking about since the pandemic began is imagine all the, all the people that have had time to write during this, yes. this period. We're going to have some great products coming out as, as a result. Yeah. And I think we're going to see it first off Broadway, you know, before it makes its way to Broadway. But launching a show off Broadway is even scarier because they have no understudies and they have no money. Um, so there's no safety net. If anybody in the production gets sick, it's closed. No question asked. They can't keep it afloat. They can't close it for 10 days. There's no money to do that. No understudy, no money, uh, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I talked to him. He was opening the show. It's his show. And he was scared about COVID. I was like, of all the other things you should be worried about right now, it's a shame you have to worry about a virus coming into your cast, you know? Yeah. So, Do you have your Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical tickets yet? I, I was just saw on fa- my Facebook feed that uh, I think it's two months away. They're doing previews now. Yes, I haven't I have it yet, uh, but I hear it's great. My happy story about that is there were two kids in the show um, who got to do, I think, two or three previews before it closed, and then they grew up and they outgrew the roles, but uh, they were able to rewrite the show and keep them in it. So I thought that was really awesome. Fantastic. They're making the kids a little bit older, but they got to stay in the show. No, that's great. I, I was I, I get some, like I said, updates on what the cast is up to. And I, it looked like they were all the same ones I saw out here in Seattle. So that that explains it. I, I was worried that that would happen as it so often yep. does. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's the good news there. Yeah, and, and Matt and I are looking forward to work. Now, next week, um, we're doing our Get to Know a Theater video segment from the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle. Yeah. And we're going to be part of when the, their season opens in January, I think, part of the press group for that. So we're going to be able to do cast interviews and we're going to do reviews for the shows and and get on the ground floor of that. And they've got uh, a, a couple of touring shows coming through, but they've also got some original ones, mm-hmm. which we're looking forward to as well. Seeing this some and one of them, I believe, afterwards is a, a podcast production that they did that they're now moving from a kind of a, I guess, a, a read through to an actual stage show, which will be pretty oh, that's interesting great. to see. So oh, again, a awesome. product of COVID. Yeah. I love that. I love that. The other amazing thing I got to do is on Saturday, they taped the segment of Tina, the Tina Turner musical for the Tonys. So I got to be in the audience to see the taping of that. So I, um, wow. Adrian Warren and the cast, they did a couple numbers, which I won't speak boil it because the Tonys are <laughs> coming up on Sunday. <laughs> um, I know we're not supposed to say anything, but it was their first moment back on the stage since the show w- went dark. So lots of emotion there. You know, um, Adrian is highly favored to win the Tony, you know, this year. And um, she's leaving the show October 31st. So she's only coming back for a little bit. Oh, so wow. I was happy I got to see her do you know, three of the big numbers from the show. Now, some of we talked to uh, to you about when we had you on earlier in the year was the fact that how, how how deeply Broadway impacts the general health of the economy in New York. You yeah. had had, you said, I think at that time, about 50% of your patients flee the city and that businesses, all the supporting businesses are dark. 
are some of those businesses starting to come back? Like you said, a lot yeah. of actors have lost their secondary jobs that had to have been in a lot of those surrounding companies. So are the lights coming back up? Yes, yes. It's feeling more and more like it's coming back. It's still not there, but Junior's Cheesecake in Times Square just opened last week. It had been closed for, you know, 14 months, you know, so some some local landmarks and and you know more touristy restaurants are open i think sardi's is still closed um joe allen's just reopened you know so some of the the great theater traditions are are slowly creeping back i think there's seven shows open on broadway right now so some of them are cautious cautiously coming back waitress hades town is open a play called passover um, and then Lion King and um, Wicket and um, Chicago and Hamilton opened the same day, which was last um, last Tuesday. I saw there was good news on Beetlejuice uh, before the pandemic. Yes. Beetlejuice was getting moved out of their theater by Music Man. Correct. But now they're coming back, which is good news. Yes. You know, their ticket sales were going up, 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 up you know, it was kind of getting a good following. Um, and then they decided to put Music Man in that theater, which was a, uh, I think a Scott Rudin decision. And, uh, you know, they think there's still an audience there for it. So um, they found a different theater. And this, I think in January, February, they're planning to reopen Beetlejuice, which is super exciting. You had some tickets that had been postponed, uh, put on hold. Do you have anything on the calendar coming up uh, that's been rescheduled? Yes, I think I have. So I've got to see Music Man. I have a ticket for it. I think it's been reprinted three times. I think I'm going in December now to like the second preview. And I think it's opening in January. I have a ticket for company coming up in uh, like November and six. I was going to... I was invited by the head of the Actors Fund to go to opening night of six on Broadway, which uh, was Broadway was canceled three hours before that opening night. So that was the night Broadway shut down. So I bought a ticket to go back. I'm not getting to go back opening night, but I'll be able to get to see it. Oh, bummer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I almost was there opening night, but that's the day Broadway shut down. A company as in Stephen Sondheim company? Yes, with Patty Lapone. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. We, we actually just did a uh, special segment from our Bremerton Community Theater here. They did son, Side by Side by Sondheim, the musical review. Of oh, his. yes. It's a gender-bending production from, from London. Uh, Bobby's played by a female. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's got really good reviews. I think the staging of it's really good. I haven't seen it yet. We've had some folks out here who've had productions in the works during quarantine, and they have found ways to just work masking into the shows, whether Uh, by, you know, uh, other masks or, you know, camouflage or just making them part of it. Have you seen any of that happening in any of the shows? I don't think so. I think they're pretty much maskless on the stage from what I can tell. I haven't heard of anybody wearing masks in the production. Maybe some of the things you can get away with community theater that you can't get away with. That's probably true. <laughs> right. probably. <laughs> so speaking of, of shows, um, one thing I wanted to get your take on, uh, Dear Evan Hansen, the movie is yes. opening soon-ish. I don't have the date in front of me, but there's been a lot of films. There's always been you know, musical films. What is your opinion as a, as a Broadway, I will say, super fan or aficionado, of a lot of, of the movies that they make of these musicals when it's a musical first and then they make 
the movie from it. What do you, what, what's your opinion on, on that? Is it, do you look yeah. at it as just a separate thing altogether or do you do a little comparison in your mind? I, I think it's a different medium. It's hard to compare. I almost always love the, the Broadway show much better. Just the energy of being there and the live experience. Um, there's some that have worked very well. I think Chicago, the movie was excellent. I think it was very well done. There are other things that don't seem to work as well. I think what I heard about the Evan Hansen is, you know, there's certain things on the stage that you, you suspend belief and you forgive because it's, you know, on the stage and it's more of a fantasy. And movies are so intimate. And the, the, the subject matter of Dear Evan Hansen is so deeply tragic. And when you're that involved in someone's life and this boy tells something that's not true, it seems to sting a lot more in the movie than on the Broadway stage. You know, Broadway stage, you're caught up in the scenery and the amazing singing and it. And um, I think that's why it doesn't, it sounds like it's not working as well on film. Ben Platt is a genius. He deserved the Tony for Dear Evan Hansen. His performance blew me out of the water. Uh, but for some reason, it sounds like it's not translating the same onto the screen. Yeah, it's tough. We've had a few people on, on the show who have acted in both mediums and they've they've told us you know talked about the differences in acting between one and the other and it's what you have to do to tell a story differently on stage than on film and yeah it makes sense that that some just wouldn't um translate while others do a completely different animal (laughs) oh sure yeah sure and then there's hamilton which was filmed live on stage and seems to be working pretty good for disney plus you know, they didn't have to rework it at all. And yeah. then the controversy of should they have gotten Emmy nominations because it was, <laughs> you know, a theatrical production, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's well, they did that with Newsies and there's been a bunch yes. over the years. I know PBS has a series where they've done that with uh, She Loves and I Me love and that. some other ones. Yeah, I love that. that. I'd rather watch that than a movie musical. I really love when they captured on the stage. Yeah, as do I. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think that would make Broadway a little more accessible to people, whether it's geographically, because, you know, we're out here and we have touring shows and things, but, you know, it's not the same um, as the big stage that's designed, that the show's designed around and, and you get the energy from the Broadway audience um, or even, you know, financially, you know, not yeah. everybody can afford to go see a show. It's not a, it's not a lot cheaper to see a touring show here in Seattle. Like if I wanted to see Hamilton in Seattle, it's maybe a little cheaper than Broadway, but not by that much. So um, yeah, it makes it a little more accessible. I think the union rules prevent that from, it's, uh, prevent it from being filmed on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, all the unions would request uh, money for every orchestra member, every cast member, every, because um, they're using their, so Disney maybe has a way around that. Um, but when you subscribe to these services like Broadway HD, you know, they have kinky boots, but it's not the American cast. It's the London cast. You know, all of a, it's mm. easier to film a London show than it is to film a New York show. And it has something to do with the unions and it's cost prohibitive um, to film a, a New York show and show it in another format. Yeah, and that's another good point with, with streaming. They're still trying to find their legs as far as how to recognize revenue and things like we're seeing that with the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit and things like that. Of yeah. How you recognize revenue from streaming and how does that filter down to the actors? You know, Netflix just filmed Diana, which was in previews before the pandemic. They're actually releasing it on Netflix before 
it's reopening here on Broadway. So I think they're hoping it might even draw an audience for them here on Broadway. And I don't know who makes that decisions, but Netflix has deep pockets, you know, but if it's successful, more and more shows could do it. You, um, David, uh, what's his name? David Burns uh, Utopia is also on, I believe, Netflix right now. Mm -hmm. And that's also playing on Broadway right now. I have to say it plays better live than that. That's more of a concert, you know, than a show per se. And I have to say it's much more energy and vivid on the stage. I watched it, I streamed it, and I didn't get the same excitement out of it as seeing it live. Well, I love the fact that uh, hopefully some of this digital streaming content is sending people back to the theaters. It's like when, you know, a, a big miniseries comes out and people all of a sudden go back and read the books. I love, I love when that happens. Yes. If they, they, I want it to be mutually beneficial. I want right. it to be able, I want it to be a stream that gives money to the production, you know, because the productions, you know, need another source of income. You know, but at the same time, you want it to feed the show so that um, it's not it's not the only way we can see it. You know, there should be a way that they can feed each other. It'll be interesting with everybody in America seeing Hamilton now on Disney Plus during quarantine. It'll be interesting to see how ticket sales are now that it's reopened. The Broadway box office receipts are usually public knowledge, but they came together as a community. And for the next year, they're not releasing their um, sales. So we don't know how tickets are selling in general. Interesting. Um, I think they don't want that information out just yet because it's such a wild card right now. And they yeah. don't, don't want it to reflect the quality of the performances. They, you know, um, Some shows just won't sell without uh, international tourists. You know, everybody in New York seen Phantom already. You know, Phantom has played forever because of tourists. And it's definitely a great show to see, you know, if you're coming in from out of town for your first time. But if we don't get tourists, I don't think Phantom's going to sell a lot of tickets, you know. Well, it all comes down to keeping this bug at bay. And as people are getting back on stage, you're there treating them literally right in the heart of things uh, in Times Square, serving artists and the Broadway community. We've got people returning to stage here locally as well. Before we let you go, I want to get Dr. Broadway, Dr. Kint's best advice for for artists who are, like you said, back in this community, most of us maskless. And what's the best advice you have as far as keeping ourselves and our community of fellow actors safe? Yeah. Um, so I'm asked this all the time and, you know, nothing's 100%. Wear a mask whenever you can. I really think masks work. What you do after hours matters. You know, um, what you're doing, you know, if you're going out, going out to a restaurant, going out to a bar, if you're celebrating opening night, you're putting your cast members at risk. I myself personally had a breakthrough COVID case. I was vaccinated Pfizer in January and first week of August, I got sick with COVID. And, you know, it's, it's, you can get breakthrough cases. So I was sick, I got better. I wasn't in the hospital. So I think the vaccine works, you know, um, because I could have been much sicker. But if you go to work and you have COVID, and you infect your cast, that could close the show. Um, so not only is it important for your health, but for the health of the production. And like I said, the motto, the show must go on, which is what every is in every actor's blood has to get thrown away. And if you have a runny nose, you just got to stay home and get tested before you go back to work. Um, and I think that's hard for people because there's 10,000 people who want your job <laughs> so badly, you know, so you don't want to be home 
when your show's playing. You want to be you want to be doing the work. So what you do after hours matters. There's a lot of controversy about booster shots. Had I had a booster shot, I maybe wouldn't have gotten sick. But I think the people who are unvaccinated, you know, run the risk of dying if they get this. So booster shots can prevent people from feeling sick, but do you need them to save your life? Maybe not. And that's why they're debating this in Washington as we speak. Uh, but there's nothing bad about a booster shot. Maybe someday people in the performing arts can get them and be considered essential workers, because I think they are, you know, and just like uh, medical people are going to probably get boosters sometime this week. You know, maybe we could convince that people in the performing arts who can't wear masks at their jobs should also be able to get boosters to stay healthy. Uh, but that comes more of a political and Washington debate, <laughs> not a local I, I, debate. <laughs> I, I like that idea because everybody who poo-poos the arts, I bet you they were thinking twice when they sat down during 18 months of quarantine. You know, what got us through it? You know, we, 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 we turned to Netflix, we turned to, you know, TV. That's what kept us going through the pandemic in times of sadness. In times of happiness, we, we turned to the arts. Yep. Um, and it really felt, New York felt like a shell of a city without the arts nurturing our soul, you know, these last 18 months. We, we need the arts to make sense of all this craziness. It really is an important medicine for us all to have. And I think people understand that without new music, without new uh, theater, without new, you know, forms of uh, entertainment, I think we missed it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So more information on the Actors Fund. If someone wanted, I know we talked about this before, but if you could just give us a reminder where people can go to find out more about the Actors Fund and what they do and how maybe they can contribute or help out. Yes. Uh, www.actorsfund.org. They've been around for 140 years, and it truly is a group of loving, dedicated people um, to support artists in need. And that includes any aspect of the performing arts. So not just actors, the name is a misnomer. I think shortly they may be coming up with a different name that's more inclusive, but includes, you know, IATSE, local ones, stage uh, hands and wig makers and costume designers and producers and directors and ushers and ticket takers. And if anybody is, is in need, the motto is, you know, when you have extra, please give. And when you need, we're here for you. Um, and they have uh, social service departments. They help people with addiction. They help people with dance injuries to get back on their feet. They help people with affordable housing. They help people with HIV or, or alcoholism. And they help people with depression, anxiety. They have counselors and therapists who are used to working with people in need. And besides that, they have affordable housing. They have a, a nursing home, I hope, to be in someday where actors, you know, um, can, can live amongst their peers. And they have some of the best food of any nursing home <laughs> <laughs> um, because actors go out to eat. I was talking to uh, Peter Gallagher once and he said, oh, performing at that nursing home, he said, I've never had more notes given to me after a performance <laughs> than when I performed at the, uh, the, the nursing home in Englewood, New Jersey, you know? Um, uh, so they really help people support artists throughout their, help, th throughout their lives. 
and uh, it's amazing what they're able to do because they're not a huge organization. It's, it's you know, a medium-sized charitable organization, but they're essential for people. I can name the number of big stars today who survived because of, you know, the Actors Fund helped them with their medical bills. The Actors Fund gave them rent. The Actors Fund, you know, was there when they needed it. So um, it's really a great group of people. And uh, they have been really pushed to their limits this year and they came through with flying colors time to refill those coffers well the work you guys are doing out there is just incredible and have some fun get out there at, we just hope you have a great time as the shows open back up and it's always a, such a fun uh time and a pleasure to speak with you i love talking to you guys thank you so much you have to come back on to tell us what the next hamilton is or what the next you know wicked is or or whatever so you're yeah. there yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it's going to be. Get us get us the scoop. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Well, thank you again to our guest, Dr. Jason Kent. For more information about the Actors Fund and how you can support the wonderful work they're doing, visit actressfund.org. Join us next week, Friday, October 1st, and we'll welcome former staff reporter of the Los Angeles Business Journal, senior entertainment business reporter at The Wrap, and contributor to Deadline Hollywood, Diane Haifman. And if you enjoy the show, please make sure, of course, to follow us and share the podcast with a friend or two. Tell them to visit HeilmanandHaber.com and tune in on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon Audible, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. You can drop us a message on Facebook and Twitter and check out photos of all of Greg's delicious cocktails on Instagram. Then go back and get the recipes on our In The Mix playlist on YouTube. As always, thank you wherever you are for supporting local theater and for joining us right here on Heilman and Haber. 